Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. That's an interesting last line. We were kind of saying, hey, if Tom Brady can get one over and win a Super Bowl in his first year after parting from Bill Belichick, that would be huge. But Key said it ain't that big of a deal. Ryan Clark and the fellas sort of agreeing there. Key, good point, eh? Yeah, it, it is because he's been to nine. He's won six. He's already advanced them further than they've been in the past. Right? He's already got them to the playoffs. So it's kind of like first playoff win since the Super Bowl. Yeah, so it's kind of like if he wins it, I won without Bill, but if he doesn't get there and doesn't win, it's like, okay, well, we'll just run it back next year. That's kind of, I think, how football people feel about that situation. Zubin, though, I, I do want to make this point because I, I, I can't, we can't just gloss over the fact that if he, if he does do it, he does it without Bill. That's a major, major story. No, no, that's no a question, major, major Jay. story, Key. You know what I mean? That becomes, no a, becomes something that's a massive narrative if yeah. Tom Brady is able to do it, especially with the way. The, the Patriots have played this year with Cam and all that up in the air and their offense not looking at anything. It's, it becomes massive. Yeah, you, we, we will put the yeast on it in the helium and blow it up. There's no question about it. <laughs> and make it and sensationalize it and make it a sexy story. But if he doesn't win it, it's, you know, it's like, eh. Opposed to Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. If they don't win it, now the question is, will Aaron Rodgers ever win another one? He's been in this position twice already in the last two years. What is it really? Is it him? Is it the, you know, you start going to that. But if, if, if Brady doesn't win it, it's kind of just you shrug your shoulders and go, oh, well. You're right. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, his old teammate Charles Woodson, the Super Bowl champion, the college legend, the Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist is going to join us here in eight minutes to talk a little bit about his relationship with Aaron, what he thinks about the Packers, and what he thinks about Michigan bringing back Jim Harbaugh on a new deal after being a Heisman Trophy winner at Michigan. What do you identify, Charles? What team do you identify, Charles, with? Michigan. So you identify him with Michigan, not Raiders or or Green Bay? When I see Jalen Rose sitting next to Jay, I think Michigan. When I see Jay, I think Duke. I, I just, some of these guys are timeless college legends because they were at their athletic peak. I don't ever want to think about a guy that's in his 13th year in the league. He's on his last legs, and I got to think about him as a pro because he played for that team. When you're 18 to 22, you are the stud of all studs. You're coming into your athleticism, and that's where I remember you the most. Hmm. Fair? My, no, yeah. I just I think of Charles Woodson at Michigan and Green Bay. I don't think of him as a Raider, even though I know he was a Raider and he played with the Raiders and, and, and he played corner with the Raiders, and that's kind of where the meat and potatoes for Charles was at. I just I think of him as a Packer, as weird as it may sound, and he was the first-round pick for the Raiders. Indeed. From Green Bay to Gang Green, that would be the, uh, the term the New York media loves to use for the New York Jets, who are now at this point looking for a head coach. The latest to put his name into the discussion is a guy named Robert Sala. He's going to get a second interview. So he's going to be the first guy to get a second interview, which obviously means the first one went pretty well. If you're unfamiliar, number one, he is a minority. So that's important to mention with all these jobs because it's a component. We just have to mention it. If you're unfamiliar watching on television, just listening on the radio for four years, the last four, he's been the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. Pretty good. Before that, he was a part of the coaching staff with the Legion of Boom uh, in Seattle as well. So key, Having played for the Jets, knowing this guy's pedigree, which I just ran down four years with the 49ers last year, by the way, when the 49ers were in the Super Bowl, great defense, top pass defense in the NFL this year, of course, ravaged by injuries. What do you make of this move to bring Salah in again? I, I think it's a, a great opportunity for the Jets to, to get an a up-and-coming young coach. Reminds me a lot of Rex Ryan 
in, in Herm Edwards, the, the calm of Herm Edwards, but the fire of Rex Ryan. And when you look at it, the last two head coaches that really have major success for the Jets are both defensive-minded coaches um, with Herm Edwards, obviously, and then Rex Ryan. Prior to that, it was Bill Parcells. And in between, you had those offensive guys, you know, Richie Kotite, nothing, zero. Adam, Adam Gates, nothing, zero. So I don't mind this opportunity if that's the direction that they want to go in where it's a sort of kind of like a position-specific opposed to a CEO type. And maybe he turns more into a CEO type running the defense and gives the offense to somebody else and stays away from it to be successful as a head coach at the Jets hiring. King. I like it, though. I, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Who would, you, who would you like to see as the next head coach of the Jets? I, you know, I, to be honest with you, man, I, I really I just want to see somebody that can run a team, right? And run a team, meaning get the respect, like have the players – bond with him and fight for him and don't alienate the players. Much like I said with a Herm Edwards or Rex Ryan, Bill Parcells, those are the names that come to mind because they had the most success. I don't want to hire somebody who's trying to be somebody that they're not or hire somebody because Peyton Manning said it was a great hire. You should go do it. I don't, I don't want to do that. You want to hire somebody that could get this team to the next level. They've got enough pieces in place in terms of draft capital. They got the quarterback. They could mortgage him off and maybe pick up some more if they decide to go in that direction. But I think that there's some building uh, blocks in place for somebody to come in and be successful with it. And, Jay, let me bring this up about Salah, which I think is really interesting. And this is something that's not being talked about because it cuts against the grain of what happens with these NFL head coaching searches, and that's this. Through no fault of his own, because the 49ers were ravaged by injuries, they had a terrible season. And generally the way the NFL works with these assistant coaches, as we all know, is you got to be on a hot team and you got to be doing it right. So you got to be Brian Dayball with the Buffalo Bills. You got to be somebody like Eric Bieniemy with the Kansas City Chiefs. You got to be somebody like Arthur Smith, who's the offensive coordinator of the Titans and made it work with Tannehill, got the most out of Derrick Henry. Key, it is rare to see somebody as an assistant, even though the team was ravaged by injuries, that's coming off such a poor season. Fifth best defense in the league, though. Zubin, fifth best defense in the league. I know. I think a lot of it, though, just does come down to are you part of a winning culture, winning organization? And some people don't look beyond the surface level. So when you look at a guy like Salah, he almost seems like a guy that should have been interviewing last year at this time because they went to the Super Bowl. Correct. But to have another bad season through no fault of his own, just the way people look at it. I want a winner in my organization. It's an odd interview on the surface. Well, on the surface, you can look at it that way. But I think when you go back in in short time of history with him, whether it was in Seattle or whether it's in San Francisco, his resume, he's done enough to warrant interviews. And you could certainly look at what happened to the team falling apart because of injuries. It wasn't on him. He was still dialing it up. They still was making plays on defense, even though he didn't have some of his core guys in place that he was playing with different talent. For weeks. But they still got a lot out of it. And so I think when you look at it from that uh, standpoint, you certainly know he's a good football coach. Now, whether he's a great person to manage a team, because you've got to be able to manage a team and delegate responsibilities. Mm-hmm. When, when you try to take on too much, that's when you kind of, you know, fail at it. Guys that want all the power, just coach ball. 
All Robert Sala wants to do is coach football. He doesn't want to pick the personnel. and He wants to coach football. And I think that that is the best way to approach it if you're the New York Jets. Find somebody that want to coach ball. And last thing I would say, fellas, it's an unusual situation because, you know, if you dig into Robert Sala's history, and we'll start to know more about some of these guys as they get second interviews, and you're with the Legacy franchise. And he's in shape. Like the 49ers. <laughs> I would just say this lastly. He has got a long history with the state of Michigan. He's a Dearborn guy, played collegiately in Michigan. Obviously, the Lions have an opening. In fact, the last time you may have heard Sala's name, I've never seen this before, but this is 2020, 2021. Several weeks ago, a group of Michigan, listen to this, fellas, a group of Michigan, as the ultimate Michigan man is standing by in the Goodyear hotline. Charles, we'll get to you in one second. Can't wait to talk to you. A group of Michigan state legislators wrote a letter to the Lions owner, Sheila Ford Hamp, urging them to hire Sala. State legislature saying, bring this Michigan guy back to Michigan. I know that's not going to work, but it is interesting to see how crazy people can get about NFL head coaching opportunities. It is a pleasure to welcome in on the Goodyear Hotline, as I mentioned, the ultimate Michigan man, the Heisman Trophy winner, the Pro Bowler, the Super Bowl champion, and hopefully soon to be Pro Football Hall of Famer. He's a finalist. We'll find out on Super Bowl weekend. It's man, great ain't to have... nothing to find out. I'm just, I know, I know. We're not do going in, man. I know. We can it's write it lock. in pen. We can write it in pen. Charles Woodson joins us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. Charles, um, you played with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has had a season for the ages. It seems like he was motivated a little bit, maybe on draft night. Take us inside your relationship with him to help us sort of understand the type of year he's having and what he's thinking right now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for A-Rod, you know, coming into the season, you know, there was all the talk about, you know, what happened in the draft, you know, the the Packers taking a, a quarterback. And, you know, this seemingly being, you know, the the – uh, to move to start pushing Aaron Rodgers out of there. And I think, you know, for Aaron, his his mindset was, look, you know, I'm still, you know, top two, three quarterbacks in the game. You know, nobody's pushing me out of anywhere. You know, my skills aren't declining. I'm still one of the best. I can still go out there and win ball games. So I don't think he was so much as, as motivated by um, all of the talk that people had about them drafting a quarterback. He just knows what he is to the game. So I don't think he was worried about that. And I think they had more talent on this roster than, than people really gave him credit for as far as the receiving core uh, is concerned. Uh, great running back in Jones. So they know they had pieces in play. Um, so I, I think he's just going out there and playing his game. This is the second year under uh, the, uh, their head coach, um, Lafleur, And I think he's more comfortable in that offense. And you can see him flourishing out there, man. And, and to me, I seem like, it seems like he's a lot more relaxed and just seems to be having fun. And I think that tends to happen the longer you play in the NFL. You just start to really appreciate your time uh, playing the game. He's just having a good time, man, playing loose. Congratulations on being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I just want to say that, so don't start crying too soon. I want, I want to give you that one right now, see I, 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 I ain't inducted yet, Keith. You got to let me – you got to let me get in, man. No, I ain't let you already. Yet, hey, man, you, you already in. in. It ain't even nothing to think about. You already in, dog. It ain't nothing to think about. Let me ask you this, I though. I appreciate that, man. Speaking yeah. of legacies and things to think about, what will the second Super Bowl and the third MVP for Aaron Rodgers do to his legacy? I think he's got to have it, Key. Um, you know, he's been regarded as, um, you know, pe- people talk about, Aaron, in terms of the history of the game, is, is 
you know, being one of the best to play. I mean, there's only a few names that you're going to put ahead of him. You think about, um, you know, his his efficiency as a quarterback, you know, over 40 uh, touchdowns this year and I think less than, you know, five interceptions, you know, his accuracy, you know, mobility. You know, he's got all of those individual accolades, you know, potentially gets a third MVP. So he's going to have all of that. But when you think about, you know, Peyton Manning, you think about Tom Brady, you think about Joe Montana, you know, those guys that are going to be in those conversations, those guys have more than one Super Bowl. And so I think it's important for him, uh, and, and I'm, I'm quite sure he thinks about it, is that, man, he, he does need another championship, man, just to solidify it, just to go along with all of the individual things that he's accumulated over his career. So I think this is a big one for him. I think this is this is really, to me, this is his time, man. This is this is a moment where I think he has to seize it and uh, he has to go out there and take over ball games, and he's got to get it to the Super Bowl, and he's got to win it. Charles Woodson, Super Bowl champion, eight-time Pro Bowl cornerback, four-time first team, four-time four time second team, nine-time Pro Bowler, 2021 Pro Football Hall of Famer, gave you that one already, 1997 Heisman <laughs> Trophy wow. winner. That resume, I don't even – I can keep going on and on and on. It speaks for itself. You no longer hold the distinction of the last non-quarterback running back to win the Heisman Trophy. Devontae Smith just did it. What do you – when you look at that, Charles, what do you take from his game and how can he translate his game from the collegiate level to the pro level to have the same success? You know, man, watching that kid, man <laughs> – He's so smooth, Key. I, I know you saw that out there, man. I, I, I tweeted out, you know, during the game, it's like I, I, I still don't feel like I've seen him run full speed. It seems so effortless, man. It's so easy to, for him to just, you know, run by people. I think the one thing that he has as I watch that game, um, he has some quickness and some suddenness off the line of scrimmage. And, you know, in the NFL, he's going to see uh, some guys that are going to get up on him, get in, get in his face and, you know, try to disrupt his routes. Um, but he has some suddenness off the line of scrimmage. And, and if you couple that with his speed um, and being able to run routes, I think it translates very well. I think what they did in that game the other night is you got to give Sarkeesian a lot of credit because you know what a guy who's going to get all, all of the attention, you know, from a defense, um, they're going to be keying on him. But what Sarkeesian did, man, is he put him in motion. He, he ID'd what the defense was playing. And they put this kid in a position to make plays, man. I just thought he showed his versatility as an offensive player, um, his understanding of the offense, you know, because he was in a lot of different positions. Um, so I, I think he translates well, man. If you get him with the right uh, system, you know, you get him. Hopefully he has a, uh, a guy who can really, you know, get the ball uh, to him. Man, he, he's going to do just fine at the next level. He might need to put some meat on them bones, though. He, <laughs> he, is, a little, he, is, a little thin. he is a little thin out there, but no, I think he's going to be just fine. See, Wood, I, I've seen you be critical a little bit of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, um, including a year ago just saying you were disappointed because they couldn't beat Ohio State. What do you think about Michigan offering him an extension? Um, you know, I look at it, uh, you know, a, cu- a couple of ways. Um, you know, they go in and, and kind of redo his contract, you know, um, you know, lessen the amount of money that he's making because, you know, he, he was making, you know, as if he was saving or, or some of those guys and, and, and has won multiple championships. So 
Um, I think it's, it's a contract that's, you know, a little friendlier. And, of course, you know, kind of is indicative of, of, you know, what he's done over the last couple of years. And, and then I think, you know, if, if down the road they decide that they want to part ways, then I think it makes it easier for them to do that. Um, but for, for, for Jim, yeah, you know, it's, it's been a situation where we thought, you know, as alumni that this was our guy that was going to come in and take us to that next level. He's been successful at every, you know, other stop that he's had. Um, so we, we, we thought this was our guy to finally, you know, get us back to, you know, be in the rivalry with, with Ohio State. And it hasn't happened. You know, he was supposed to be the guy that was going to come in and um, be sort of like the quarterback guru. You know, we haven't seen that. You know, we know his record against um, top 25 or, or, you know, being underdog and all of that stuff. And so, um, you know, for us, man, look, you know, just on the outside looking in and, and being alumni, you know, our, our expectations were high and they haven't been met. And so, you know, we're all disappointed, but it, hey, he signed an extension. So he, he's what we got. So we, we got to put our faith in him that he's going to get it figured out. Talk about putting your faith into something. Um, obviously, you've had faith in your own abilities, man. You grew up in Fremont, Ohio, only two hours from Kenton. Have you have you put any time, Charles, into thinking about how is it going to be standing on that podium, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, and what you're going to say? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I, I think about it. I mean, it's just, it's funny because I, I, you know, being in this moment. And, you know, you, you you start to reflect, you know, first I look at the fact that I, you know, played in the NFL, you know, uh, game I grew up watching as a kid, you know, of course, for 18 years. And I, you know, I think to myself, you know, on the outside looking in, like, man, how, how the heck did I play for 18 years? You know, I watched the game and how, you know, <laughs> violent it is. I watch guys go out there and play through injuries. And when you're in it, you know, you don't really think about it because you're in it. But when you when you're watching the games, it's like, man, this you know it's a rough game. And then I look back over the last five years and how quickly it's gone um, to get to this point to where you know you're in the conversation for the hall, man. So I reflect on a lot of things, but I do. I, I think about it. You know, it's 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 um, you know, kind of a surreal moment, but I do think about it. I mean, you think about the speeches you've seen and watch people on that podium and putting that jacket on, and man, if you have that you put together that type of career where you can have those thoughts, it, it crosses your mind. And so, I mean, it's an exciting time, man. I'm trying to, you know, take in, you know, every little moment that I can, but man, if, that, if my name's called, man, then it's going to be a special moment. See, well, let me ask you this. Cause I, I don't think I've ever, I don't know the, the answer to this. You grew up in Ohio. How come you didn't go to Ohio state? Yes, I, I grew up in, in Ohio, um, and my older brother was a was a was a big time uh, Michigan fan. And my older brother was um, he was like my first idol, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? And mm-hmm. um, that was the first team that I knew that he really identified with, you know, as, as a youngster. And you know, he was you know um, all world, you know, in my community, running back, ran track, wrestled. Uh, he was big time. And so he liked Michigan, and I, so I, I like Michigan, okay. you know. And 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 that part of the world, for me, you know, you like one or the other, you know. It, it was a, it was real live rivalry, you know, between you know Michigan and Ohio State, and so it's it's crazy because when I got older, it was like, man, I can't I can't go to the rival. I mean, why would I spend any time on that? You know what I mean? So when it came time to make that decision, 
you know, they, they, they were out of the equation. And it was for that reason, because they were the rivals. What a great story. Good stuff. Hey, last thing, Charles, we got one minute, but we wanted to – I mean, we got an all-time cornerback. We got an all-time wide receiver on the same show this morning. Um, So we just dug into the stats, and we found out while you were with the Raiders, you did play against Key twice. In those two games between you guys when you were wearing the silver and black there with the Raiders, Key had uh, six balls caught for 88 yards against you, but you kept him out of the end zone. What was it like going up against Key? So are you saying he had six catches on me or just six catches in the game? That's a big difference now. If you're going to dig you're into so it, funny, you man. Really dig into it. I, I don't Details know how many was work. on you overall. I don't know. They dug that number up. I don't know. I gave you some work, though. <laughs> I, I don't, hey man, I know one thing. I know one thing, man. You was out there pushing and grabbing like you was a DB. Oh boy, stop! <laughs> <laughs> it Great was fun stuff. playing. It was fun playing against Chuck. <laughs> Chuck didn't. He didn't say. You know, you didn't. You wasn't like some of them other little mouthy DBs, though. You didn't really. But but we got a different relationship, so you didn't have to chatter, be a chatterbox like some of them other dudes. We had respect for each other. Yeah, no, I didn't have to. I mean, I, I could play ball. And my thing was, you know, unless the receiver was talking noise, I didn't talk noise. You know what I mean? Exactly. You That's talk, how I was. There were very few guys that, that, really, that really, you know, mouthed off. But other than that, man, I just, I just wanted to go out there and play my game. Yeah, I remember the, the one time I came in motion when you slipped on the baseball field and I scored the touchdown, but I leaned forward. They called it back. Remember that? <laughs> when I came across. Man, you pushed me in the back. No, dude. I didn't. You slipped on the turf, boy. Man, Stop. You put, man, you pushed me in the back, No, man. you was coming yeah, across the formation yeah, in man-to-man, and you was trailing me. I went up the field on the scene, and he slipped. But I was so excited, I started leaning forward. As soon as I saw the flag, I was like, damn. I got him, and look what now, happened. Y'all, now, 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 don't y'all believe Key just because he's sitting there with you. Now, the oh, man pushing in the back, no, man, push me down. What, what am I supposed to do? Oh, stop, man. <laughs> hey, it's good catching up with you, though, big dog. And, again, early congratulations. I want to be the first to say that to you and make sure you got plenty of Kleenex. I can't wait to watch. No doubt about it, man. I appreciate it, man. Uh, good talking to you guys, man. I'll see you down the road. All right, man. Thank All you. Right, see you down there in Canton. And the one thing I want to quickly mention is we've got a quick Jets coaching update. The one thing about Woodson that makes this come full circle is that you find out on the weekend of the Super Bowl whether you have made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So the fact that he was a Super Bowl winner, has played in the biggest game, and now we'll find out when he gets in, not if, but when he gets yeah, in, to find out on Super Bowl weekend, pretty he's special. In. He's in. There's, there's no doubt about it. Anything, anybody that's ever watched the NFL or college football knows that. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. One more quick update on the Jets coaching search. Rich Zamini, who covers the team for ESPN, tweeting this morning, as of now, the Jets are focused on the 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala. They're meeting today in New Jersey uh, for a second interview. He is the first guy to get a second interview for the Jets. Zamini, quote, he is the, quote, front runner, but he's also in demand by other teams, meaning the Jets, mm. if this second interview goes well, could bring him in and hire him with other teams in hot pursuit. We'll keep you up to date all throughout the morning. Again, this is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. On the way, you could argue the two biggest controversies in sports right now are both in Houston, Harden and Watson, and the biggest voice, sports voice in the city, sounds off on what each means. That's next on ESPN Radio. 
He's a great quarterback in this league. He should be on a better team. Bears come to mind. Giants come to mind. Dolphins come to mind. Should the Jets at number two instead? 100%. I think the Jets should do it. Jacksonville should consider doing it as well. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. I mean, look, anybody that needs a quarterback should probably more than just consider it. We're talking about Deshaun Watson and his future, whether it's in Houston or elsewhere. We're also going to touch on James Harden here, because right now you can make an argument. Houston, the epicenter of the sports talk universe, if those two topics mean anything to you. And it's a pleasure to welcome in John McClain, longtime writer for the Houston Chronicle, and goes way beyond Houston sports. His expertise on the NFL is well known over the decades. In fact, his uh, Twitter handle is at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. So he's got a going all the way through all right your boots on the ground you're there Andre Johnson tweeting yesterday that the Texans should do what Deshaun wants he's fed up with them as a quiet player Deshaun has argued loudly so is J.J. Watt what in the world is going on there well first of all guys thanks for having me on and happy new year Uh, Deshaun Watson will not be traded under any circumstances you can take that to the bank he's unhappy because the owner Cal McNair they had lunch before the season ended, and they talked after the season. And he said Cal McNair was going to let him know what was going on on the hiring. And they they interviewed three head coaches, but it was, I think, a waste of time because they said all along the new general manager was going to hire the head coach. Nick Casario started on Monday. Watson has not issued a trade demand. Everything has been anonymous sources. And the last time we talked to him a week ago, he said he wanted a coach who would stand up, lead the team. They could follow him. He wanted structure. He wanted a new culture. And he speaks for all the players. J.J. Watt had said that before Watson. And so, so much is riding on the head coach whom they hire. And Nick Casario stepped into work on Monday, and he was bombarded from all sides. And then yesterday, Andre Johnson, the only player in their ring of honor who never caused controversy, when he was a player, he tweeted that 
he should stick to his guns, meaning Watson. And then he talked about Jack Easterby, the controversial executive vice president of football operation, that nothing's good's happened since he walked through the door. So as you guys can imagine, huge controversy. And then after the game last night, first time James Harden has admitted what we've known for weeks, he wants to be traded. Houston is up in arms right now, John, I see, huh? Houston is up in arms. Everybody, the Harden situation, they tr- they tried to trade him. They will trade him, but they will not give him away. They're driving a hard bargain, but he's not helping himself by playing poorly. He showed up looking like he should play right guard for the best <laughs> and now coming out and saying this and finally admitting it. You guys know, Keyshawn, you've been traded. It's hard when you go public and then everybody's going to lowball you. Fortunately for you, you brought one of the biggest prices in history. Yeah, let me let me ask you this question about Jack Easterby of the Houston Texans, Vice President of Football Operations. Why so many players, and, 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 and clearly it's DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Johnson, but I'm sure there's other players that haven't gone to social media and said anything. Why do people view him as such? What What is he doing to alienate so many people? He was good friends, and he worked closely with Bill O'Brien. People here did not like Bill O'Brien, didn't like his trades, didn't like the way the 2019 season ended when they choked a 24-point lead at Kansas City in the divisional round. Then when he traded the two number ones and a two for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, Hopkins was the most unpopular trade in Houston history. And people associate Jack Easterby with Bill O'Brien. Last year, when he was promoted to executive vice president of football operations, he worked closely with O'Brien, handled everything in football ops O'Brien did not want to handle, and then O'Brien signed off on it. But every time we, the media, talked to O'Brien, he talked about how they made joint decisions, they worked closely together, he said they win a Super Bowl with Jack Easterby, and so everybody equates anything Jack Easterby does with O'Brien and people here, the fans, media, have been on the owner, Cal McNair, unmercifully to fire Jack Easterby going back months. But McNair likes him, trusts him, believes in him. And right now, he is number two guy to Nick Casario. Let me ask you this question, uh, John. Does, does Kyle McNair know football? I understand he knows, I understand he knows business, but does, is he a football guy? Well, let's be honest. How many owners are football guys? I don't know any. Jerry Jones is general manager, of course, and the team president. But McNair has been his dad. It was his dad's right-hand man from the time they got the franchise in 1999. While his dad was suffering from cancer in 2017, he started. Uh, he took over the team, and then his dad died a year later. So, really, he's been in charge since 2017. They've, they've won four division titles in five years two playoffs, couldn't get beyond the divisional round. But one of the things he does is he stays out of the operation. The people he hires, meaning the coach and GM, he leaves them alone, spends a lot of money, gives them the money for resources, and then stays out of the way from big decisions. He He says, I hired these guys. They make the decisions. If they don't do what he wants, then he fires them, as he did with Bill O'Brien. So uh, it, it, he is a, he's a good guy to work for. Because if he's loyal to you, he'll stick to you. But as he showed with O'Brien, he's not averse 
to pulling the plug. John, I want to let's transition real quick to the Houston Rockets and James Harden. What kind of deal would it take for Raphael Stone to complete this to get James Harden out of Houston? The fellow would have been asking, from according to reports, like three number ones and at least one or two good players. Then the reports were two number ones and at least two good players, two starters. Lots of speculation about the Nets and who could come from there, the Sixers, who would come from there, Daryl Morey, who pulled off the trade for Harden as the general manager of the Rockets, now is running the personnel department at Philadelphia. And we know Morey would like to get him. And uh, Harden has not specifically said who he wants to go to. He just wants to go to a winner. James helped make them a winner. They couldn't get over the hump. They lost to the Lakers last year. No shame in that, 4-1. to one. And I think he will get traded. But they're not going to get what they want, that's for sure. Seldom does that happen. Would you guys take Kyrie Irving, knowing everything you know now? Uh, no, I don't think <laughs> Kyrie's ever been in the mix to come here and replace Harden. That's the final word from the man that has been writing words about Houston sports for decades. So the brass tacks ain't no way they trade into Sean Watson. And of course, it's just a matter of time before they trade James Harden. John, really appreciate your perspectives this morning. Keys wanted to have you on for a long time, and I'm so glad we did it this morning. Hey, Zubin, thank you very much. JT, Sean, thank you. You guys stay safe. All right, John. Thank you. Thanks, John. One of the great NFL writers out there knows the pulse of that city well. That is John McClain. A reminder to tune into Greeny's show, appropriately titled Greeny, which immediately follows our show. Keyshawn J. (laughs) Williams. I just wanted to point that out for the first time. What else is it supposed to be? (laughs) That's true. I mean, we are are Keyshawn J. Williams (laughs) Zubin. What time is that show, Zubin? 10 a.m. Eastern on many Uh, of these ESPN radio stations. Greeny this morning, also known as Mike Greenberg, joined by Bruce Smith and Tony Dungy. As I mentioned, those Bills legends are coming out this week, and none bigger maybe than Bruce Smith. From Keyshawn J. Williams Zubin, right into Greeny weekday mornings on ESPN radio. On the way... The very latest on James Harden trade-wise, Kyrie Irving situation, and the NBA in general. Are we nearing a shutdown? All of that with Woj. That's next on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, followed by Greeny and the ESPN app. The Jets are making moves by interviewing 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala for a second time. And Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
Good morning. Welcome back to Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests, including the NBA's best insider, join us on the Goodyear hotline. Of course, that is Woj. Adrian, there are so many things to talk about. I just want to start with this simple notion. Three days ago, the NBA spokesman Mike Bass told the New York Times, quote, the season is not going on pause, something to that effect near verbatim. I watched you on SportsCenter just hours ago with Neil Everett. You used the word turmoil, quote, turmoil to describe what might be going on with everything with the league and the postponements. From your reporting, where do we stand right now? How serious is this? Well, I mean, it is serious, just the way that it's serious in this country. 4,000 people dying in a single day, and infections are on the rise everywhere, and they've been on the rise in the league, which is what the NBA expected. They built a schedule uh, to uh, be able to withstand uh, postponements and positive tests and rosters that were thinning down to eight eligible players, which is the minimum uh, the league uh, allows uh, uh, is, is the minimum a league allows a team to have to have to play a game. But the league wants to forge on. Right now you have five or six teams, you know, kind of in this quandary where they have some positive tests and then a bunch more players typically in contact tracing that aren't available. Now, if those five or, you know, five or six teams become 10 or 12 or 15 or 16, then it's a different conversation perhaps about pausing. But right now, you know, the league's determined to play through it uh, and and just try um, to get as many games as they can uh, here as, as quickly as possible. Well, speaking of playing, Kyrie Irving hasn't been playing. What's the latest in his situation? I mean, Keyshawn, at this point, it's, you know, it's out of his hands now. It's out of the Nets' hands about when he would play again because of that video that surfaced that the league's looking into you know, that appeared to be his sister's birthday party. I think both his dad and his sister had birthdays last week, uh, that he was there without a mask uh, with more people allowed uh, than the league allows in this uh, COVID time. You know, he's facing a possible quarantine from the league. And so you could forget about him certainly being back this week. Next week may look unlikely based on that video. I haven't heard any pushback on the timing of that video, meaning it doesn't look like it's from uh, last year or the year before. And so if that's the case, and that's what the league determines, you know, then I think Kyrie Irving is going to continue to be out. But more than that, you know, I think he's got to make it clear to the Nets and be clear about his intentions, about wanting to play, uh, about when that might be. And, and they've got to work. I think there's things for both the Nets and Kyrie to work out going forward. Well, it's excluding the the time off for the maskless situation of the birthday party. What kind of contact has Kyrie had with the front office or ownership or coaching staff of the Brooklyn Nets? My sense is it's been fairly minimal. I I do think he's been in contact, uh, but I I don't, Jay, know how extensive it's been. Uh, You saw last night it appeared during the game or prior to the game, he was on a Zoom uh, for a, a, a political launching campaign in New York. Uh, and so, you know, through this, um, you know, he's been certainly engaged elsewhere. I think the Nets need to know he's going to be engaged with them. I mean, they, as you know, Jay, they invested a lot in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and that supporting cast uh, 
to try and, and put a team together that they thought could win a championship. You know, you saw what Kevin Durant did last night and, and really almost single-handedly lifting them over Denver. And, you know, Durant has come back. I think it's as great as anyone imagined he could off of that Achilles injury. Uh, but the Nets aren't built to do this with one player. They built this team to do it with two great ones, KD and Kyrie Irving. And I think they've got to know that he's committed, that he's still committed to that. And I, I just think those conversations are going to have to take place once he's back or in a frame of mind that he wants to be back or, or is able to be back and play based on what's going on with him. Woj, last night was the first time that we heard James Harden say that his time is pretty much up in Houston. When, when are they going to move him? What's the timetable on that? Well, I think there's no question Harden in his recent play, which I think has spoke louder than what he said last night, four straight games under 20 points. I mean, you guys know James Harden can roll out of bed and give you 30 and 10, and and certainly he's not been playing uh, up to the level people expect from him. He's not in great condition. That's obvious. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it's all part of a plan to try to get to move the team move the organization to do a trade sooner than later. But I think right now with James Harden, the organization, I don't know that they're going to be moved by what he said last night. If it's another week or two weeks or a month, or maybe it's just a day of discomfort, and it is uncomfortable there, you have to be willing to live with that if you're the Rockets, and I believe they are, until you get the deal that you want. Uh, This is not... Uh, th- this is not a long, a, a tenable long-term situation, but you can live with this in the short term uh, because this trade is so important to set up the future of this organization. They've got to be able to get everything they can in a deal for them, and that's what they're trying um, to get out of the marketplace. Well, uh, the NBA came out with new protocols where they are trying to reinforce not allowing guests to be in players' hotel rooms. How, how challenging is, is it going to be for the league to actually kind of restrict freedom of movement for a lot of these adults of NBA players? And, Woj, we got just like one minute here. And, 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 and listen, in most cases, it's not going to be easy. You saw George Hill, the Thunder, last night say uh, after their game, hey, no one's going to tell me. I'm a, I'm, I'm a grown-up. I'm going to do as I please in this way. And, uh, and I don't – listen, I think most players – they want to be able to continue to play. They want to be able uh, to, to allow the season to continue. And by and large, if you look at the infection numbers, the league has done a great job, much better uh, than our broader society is doing. But, I mean, the NBA's got a much better plan than um, we see in municipalities and our national – and, and uh, we, we don't have a national plan. But uh, I think it's certainly going to be a challenge. But the league knew they had to tighten up these protocols, they said at the beginning of the season, we're going to make adjustments as we go, and they've made some adjustments. It's well said. By the way, the latest edition of the Woj podcast, and this is why you know this podcast is great. It talks about the biggest names in sports, but also a guy like Christian Wood. You have to be a hardcore NBA fan Ooh. to know who this guy is. You can hear Jay talk about it. Done an amazing job. He's worked himself in from undrafted to a big money contract, and Woj sits down with him on the latest podcast. Download it anywhere, of course, you get those podcasts. Adrian, thank you very much, and we'll obviously be checking back in. Plenty of storylines to discuss. That's awesome job, Woj. On the Goodyear hotline. On the way. 
Are we closer to filling one of our NFL head coaching openings? Certainly seems that way where Key and I are sitting. That's next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.